0: If you enjoy these podcasts, check out Enrico Signoretti's reports and blogs on gigaohm.com. They're about data storage and cloud computing, addressing all the topics covered in Voices in Data Storage. Welcome, everybody. This is Voices in Data Storage brought to you by Gigaohm. I'm your host Enrique Signoretti, and my guest for this episode is Hika Nivara. Hika is a distributed system architect at Relax Solutions. Relx is a leader in retail planning solution with customers all across the globe. And in this role, Hika is responsible for the vision and execution of scale-out features in Relax proprietary in-memory analytics platform. He identified an upgrade path to upgrade the existing product with a minimal disruption. And successfully helped to implement the company's private cloud platform designed around these new scale-out features. And now he is overseeing the finalization. And now he is overseeing the finalization of the initial feature set and first production rollouts. Today we will talk about Relx and its two-tier based storage system that integrates in-memory and object storage together. Quite a radical architecture, I would say. And you probably already know how much I love two-tier storage architecture. Hi, Ika, and welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Enrico. I'm really happy to be here.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, thank you very much for um, taking the time for uh, recording this episode. Absolutely. I'm quite excited about uh, your work at Relex, but uh, maybe I missed something in the introduction. So if you can give us a little bit more info about you, your job, and Relex, that would be very helpful for our listeners.
1: Yeah, sure, why not? Uh, yeah, I've been with Relax for, well, this summer, it's going to be nine years, which is quite a long time in this industry. Um, at Relax basically, what we do is forecasting and replenishment for retailers, which in a nutshell means, for example, making sure that the grocery store chain doesn't run out of milk, but also doesn't need to throw any of it in the trash. I work here at Relics uh, as a distributed systems architect like you mentioned, nine years ago, I started as a full stack developer and then moved on to working mainly on our in-memory platform and now in this architect role.
0: Relics, uh, as you mentioned, is in uh, forecasting, planning for uh, retailers and uh, and you have customers all across the globe, right?
1: Correct. We have customers of all sizes. Uh, last year in 2018, we really broke through into like tier one, largest retailers. We signed with the top five retailer in the world. So that's that's where the focus is. But when you build a company, you often have to start small and not go for the big fish right away. We still care for our older, smaller customers. They are really important as references, even for these bigger ones.
0: Oh, yes. And, and indeed, uh, knowing that your infrastructure can support the smaller and the bigger customer is very, very comforting, I would say.
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: So what about your infrastructure? How so Relics uh, deploys a uh, solution uh, to the customers?
1: We primarily deploy in what we call our Relex private cloud. Basically, we rent Colo space in two data centers here in Finland and two in United States where we deploy on our own hardware and then offer it as a software as a service to the customers we are also able to to do on-prem installations for customers that really require it it's still important in well with big enterprises in certain markets
0: so mainly in a SaaS application but for customers that require uh to have it uh on their premises you can do it as well
1: that's right yeah
0: okay and as we mentioned at the core of your solution there is an in-memory application okay can you go a little bit deeper on uh, its architecture and how it works
1: yeah absolutely if you're used to like web scale kind of things our architecture is a bit different uh atypical if you will we deploy a single process per customer that is completely in memory. For largest customers, the heap sizes for this process range up to four terabytes. So, in a way, it's more like high-performance computing than typical SaaS, if you will. I see. Everything for that customer runs in this one process so all the computation all the hot data is in memory and this gives us the ability to have the computation always close to the data giving us like giving us the highest possible performance avoiding any data transfer or serialization overhead
0: as you said you're doing this for improving performance okay meaning that uh, there is a lot of compute involved and uh, a lot of back and forth from the cpu to the to the database to get uh, things done and uh, uh, but uh, don't you need some historical uh, data to to make the planning for the future
1: yes absolutely forecasting is primarily based on historical data our architecture allows us to keep history for many years hot in data and still being able to access it with the speed of memory. In another way, our problem is much more data intensive than say CPU intensive. So we need a lot of data accessible fast, but the actual algorithms themselves are fairly simple.
0: At the end of the day, with the number of customers that you have, probably your infrastructure is pretty large anyway. So even if a single customer allocates a a small amount of memory, which is not that small, actually, because four terabytes is quite a lot in a single process.
1: Yeah, that, of course, depends a lot on the customer size, how much memory they need. Four terabytes is really for the biggest retailers in the world. I think... Currently we are running around 15,000 CPU cores and 250 terabytes of RAM across all our data centers.
0: Okay, and uh, just to understand better. So this is the in-memory part. So the, the real time analytics that you do on the data and uh, uh, the, the high performance tier. But then we mentioned that this is a two tier architecture. So how, how does
1: it work? Core of the in-memory analytical platform we've built here at Ralex is our own in-memory analytical database. And this database works in an append-only fashion that whenever there is a new transaction committed into database, it writes a new immutable file that only contains the changes from that transaction. In a sense, it's an ever-increasing log of changes that then allows us to also travel in time to see if some parameter has changed, while we always keep the latest state of the database hot in memory.
0: Okay, so uh, every time you commit something, it ends up in the second tier, okay?
1: Correct, yes, exactly.
0: And and the second tier is an object store, it's not uh, even a file or a block storage, so it's not uh, Uh, What we usually think about, uh, uh, you know, the second tier after
1: uh, memory. Yes, that's right. Of course, historically, when we started building this solution, we built it using the local disks on each server. But when it came time to expand uh, to more scale out features, we realized that object storage directly fits very well into our on-disk format where we only write immutable new files, never changing existing files.
0: At the end of the day, as we mentioned, in-memory on one side and uh, object storage on the other, uh, and I'm very curious about that. It's quite interesting to associate these two types of storage system. Before going uh, on the object source size, I'm just quite curious to to understand better the in-memory part. So with uh, all these in-memory databases that are available out there, why didn't you buy one of those instead of developing your own solution?
1: We started the development of this in-memory solution nine years ago. And at the time, the market for in-memory databases was much smaller and of course RELAX at the time also was much smaller. So Oracle-like licensing at the time wasn't really feasible for us.
0: Oh yeah, I, I, I can understand that. <laughs> and uh, uh, do you think that having control of your own application is also a competitive advantage now? Or it's more about cost savings, especially at the beginning?
1: In the beginning, I think it was more about cost savings and also the fact that there were not very many suitable solutions in the market. That has really changed in the couple past years. So probably if we started over right now, we would build on top of some existing in-memory solution. But as it is now, I think that having our own database uh, in-memory solution really gives us a big competitive advantage. It allows us to implement domain-specific, so in our case, supply chain-specific features directly into the database, which provides humongous performance advantages so back to
0: the object, sir. Okay. So is the object store a commercial solution or, or is it uh, something that you developed on your own?
1: For the object storage, we decided that it's not really in any way our core competence developing storage solutions. So we ran a very thorough market research project of all the available object storage solutions a couple of years ago. I think we spoke to about 40 different object storage vendors at the time. Wow, 40 practically covers most of the market. (laughs) Yeah, I think we found even the weirdest, smallest ones that don't exist anymore.
0: what you were looking for in the, for this object, sir? I think uh, some performance at least and the ability to, to cope with a small object because I think that when you uh, commit something to the database, this is not that huge.
1: Well, specifically for the commit sizes, those actually range from very small, like some, kilobytes to very big, to like tens of gigabytes per commit. So that was really one of the key features we required this ability to support a range of different sized objects in the same system. Otherwise too, we were looking for the most technically flexible solution that In extreme cases would allow things like converging the object storage layer on the same hardware as the compute. Otherwise, we focused a lot on the feeling of working with uh, object storage vendors. We were trying to really find a partner, not just somebody who sells us the system, but somebody we can feel like we're having very good cooperation with somebody we really enjoy working with and somebody we feel we can trust with making sure that our customers data stays safe.
0: I know the the name of the vendor because I worked for them in the past and uh, I have to agree with you so that uh, the fact that uh, technical speaking is a very good solution and also uh, it's a good team. Uh, both from the developer side as well as from the human side, and uh, m- maybe we, we can also mention that uh, we are talking about OpenIO, which is a French company. Okay, and uh, I'm curious about uh, uh, the, the process that brought you to to buy uh, this object store, to select this object store. So, did you tested uh, uh, more solution, or uh, did you try this one and it just worked and you were happy with it?
1: With did uh, two small POCs with a couple of other vendors as well. One of them was formation data systems, which promised uh, like a unified storage solution that can take care of object file and block in the same system. But they went bankrupt during our POC. And the POC servers got stranded in our offices because we had no place to send them back to anymore. (laughs) So that didn't go too well. We also did some testing with EMC's, I think it's ECS, object storage system. For our hardware, we primarily use Dell machines, and this was right after the merger between Dell and EMC, so it would have been, in that sense, a logical choice, but the organization felt too big and slow, and technology wasn't there for, like, supporting on-premise installations.
0: So, yes, because you mentioned at the beginning that you can do your installation both on your data center but also on uh, customer premises so you need something that can scale from a very large installation like yours down to a single customer installation
1: yes that that's a very tough thing Mm -hmm. to solve
0: uh, open.io is an open source solution did it play any role in your decision
1: it did play some role. I think we would have chosen it even if it wasn't open source, but from like a business continuity or risk management perspective, having it open source was really really a big plus. OpenIO, frankly, isn't a very large or well-established company, so there is some risk in that. And the open source version helped with that quite a lot.
0: Yeah, and um, how do you manage uh, uh, data protection and uh, disaster recovery for, uh, for your infrastructure? Do you uh, delegate it to the object store or do you have an external mechanism
1: to do that? We use a multi-tiered solution where we use OpenIO's replication to replicate between data centers for uh, like hot recovery. But we also take old school backups of our data. We store them somewhere offsite. We don't use tapes or anything like that for, for the backups. The backups only contain the latest state of the database. So if we have to recover from a cold backup, we lose all the historical data. So that's really the last resort recovery mechanism. Mm-hmm.
0: So you you can recover pretty quickly from the object store and repopulate your in-memory uh, portion of the database. And, uh, and then if something really, really, bad happens to your data center you have off-site tapes to you know for the as a last resort right
1: correct if for example here in finland we have two data centers and we have open io replication between those two sites. so if both of them went down for some reason then we could recover into a third place from the backup but if either of those sites is uploading the data into memory from object storage takes about 10 minutes for the instance to become completely functional again. Okay, which is a good uh, RTO, right? Yeah, it's not perfect. It's good for disaster recovery, but it's not good enough for like interactive use, which is why the first like scale out feature we built on top of this storage system is a passive replication mechanism for high availability in our analytical platform.
0: Okay, so you have replication of data uh, between in-memory instances that gives you the, the ability to uh, to respond almost in real time to any, any sort of uh, a single data center or single uh, fail in the in the infrastructure, and then if something really bad happens, you can restore data in ten minutes. Correct. Which at the end is pretty awesome. So you you, you provide a very high availability for the application.
1: Yeah, that was, has historically been one of the downsides of the relaxed approach of single big in memory instances on separate servers. And as we've moved on to bigger and bigger customers, they have higher and higher SLA requirements. So this is something we have worked hard on over the past couple of years.
0: What's the next step for this um, architecture in your perspective?
1: Right now we're working hard on adding more like real scale out features into the solution previously we have been mostly memory limited by the nature of our architecture but with the latest batch of really large customers we are becoming CPU limited in some cases so now we are working on allowing computation to happen on multiple servers at the same time in the same database and all of this replication between the instances on different servers happens through the object storage system
0: okay so the object storage becomes even more critical for your installation
1: yes the object storage system is really at the core of our distributed features All the data between servers in a cluster is transferred to the object storage system. Whenever there's a new transaction committed, the new file is uploaded to the object storage system and then it's through there distributed to the other nodes. This gives us the uh, persistence for the file at the same time as the replication to all of the nodes.
0: And um, do you think that in the future, you will need uh, an old Flash object store to do that?
1: That's a great question. Right now, we are feeling positive that the performance of spinning disks in the object storage cluster should be good enough. We've so far in the old architecture been using spinning disks on the local servers as well and that has been fast enough and OpenIO's architecture also is unique in the way that it really scales when you add more machines so at least in theory we should be able to just keep adding spinning disks if we looks like we're running out of bandwidth on the disks and save today like that. In other words, we currently don't have any plans to add flash into our architecture at all.
0: I see. Ika, that, that was a very, very nice uh, conversation and I, uh, and I really loved how you explained how you do things at Relax. Just to close this episode, uh, it would be nice to give to our listeners uh, a few links about uh, Relax where we can find uh, the website uh, as well as a few social media links to continue this conversation
1: yeah sure the website is relicsolutions.com. that's r-e-l-e-x solutions.com all one word there you can find well mostly if you are in the retail business things interesting to those guys case studies and customer references but there are also a couple of white papers on our database and analytical uh, architecture for the interested. Um, Relix is also on LinkedIn as Relix Solutions and on Twitter as Relix Solutions. Again, all one word. I myself am only on LinkedIn. You can find me there by searching for my name.
0: Yes, people will find uh, uh, how to spell your name on uh, the episode webpage <laughs> because it's uh, quite complicated for non-Finnish uh, people.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a very typical Finnish name with a lot of double letters. So yeah, if you're interested, go check out the website, find me on LinkedIn and do get in touch.
0: Very good. Ikea, thank you again for the time you spent with me today. And... Uh, Uh, the information you shared about your architecture and how you do things at Relics.
1: Thank you, Enrico. It was really fun to chat with you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
0: If you enjoyed this episode of Voices in Data Storage, please check out the other ones. They're available wherever you find your podcast of choice. Two-tier storage strategy is the focus of an upcoming report Enrico wrote for GigaOM research. To find out more about how data storage is evolving in the cloud era, download the single report or subscribe to GigaOM Research
1: for future-forward advice on data-driven technologies, operations, and business strategies.